Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The scriptures are all about Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is for you, who has become your brother. So throughout the scriptures, we hear of the person and the life of our Lord and Savior, and that is true even in the Old Testament. We heard several examples of this during our Advent and Christmas uh, season this past year under the theme, the symbols of salvation. Jesus visited Moses at the burning bush, the rock that was with them, in the, with the Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness is Christ, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. Those visible manifestations of God are normally found in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, the clearest teachings concerning Jesus and especially his life and his work are found in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In these books, we hear of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ as he came in the flesh some 2,000 years ago, as he fulfilled his Father's will, as he went to the cross to die for us, and as he rose from the dead and then ascended on into heaven. Now the Gospels do spend a fair amount of time, especially the Gospel of Luke, concerning our Lord Jesus Christ at his infancy. But then the Bible goes quickly into his adulthood. In fact, it jumps right ahead from his infancy narrative to the beginning of our Lord's public ministry with only one thing pointed out in between. So it goes from when Jesus is an infant up to a couple of years old until he is 30 with, when he begins his public ministry with just that one thing in between, and that is when he is 12 years old, the family go to Jerusalem for the Passover, and Jesus, instead of leaving with his family, he stays at the temple, and there he is asking questions, he's listening intently to the word of God, and the, the, the leaders of the church are amazed at his answers and his understanding. So then the next thing we hear of Jesus after he's 12 years old and Mary and Joseph find him again is his baptism. So we hear that Jesus is baptized. That's what we heard in our gospel reading today. Jesus is not baptized as an infant. Some who say we should not baptize babies point out the example of Jesus. They say Jesus was not baptized as a baby Therefore, we should not be baptizing babies. That's the claim. However, if you look at the way the facts went, you cannot use that as an argument against infant baptism. Because who did the baptizing in those days? Who did God raise up to baptize to serve as the forerunner of the Messiah? It was Christ's own relative, John the Baptist, who was born a mere six months before Jesus himself was born. Now, John the Baptist, of course, as an infant, could not have turned around and baptized Jesus. Instead, later, when John is an adult, that's when he fulfills the Lord's will in serving as the forerunner to 
the Messiah. So Jesus is not baptized as an infant, but he is baptized later. And he has different reasons for his baptism than we have for our baptisms, which we will talk about later. So when Jesus is baptized, then he begins his public ministry, his public ministry of preaching and teaching and performing miracles. And in this, Jesus is revealing that he is God. We are now in the season of Epiphany. And Epiphany is a manifestation or a revelation, a divine revelation. And here in Epiphany, we learn of how Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, how he reveals himself or makes him himself manifest as God. And he does so primarily through his preaching and through the miracles that he performs. So, as Christians, we walk with Jesus and with his life. The church year matches that life of our Lord Jesus Christ. It follows suit, the church year does. And so we spent a couple of weeks on his infancy with his birth. And before departing from the narrative of his birth on Epiphany, we heard of the visitation of the Magi who come to worship Jesus and offer him gifts. And now we spend a few weeks during the Epiphany season to see how Jesus reveals himself as God before we go with him to the cross during Lent. Now Jesus was called to prepare the way, I'm sorry, John was called to prepare the way of the Lord to preach that the God-man Jesus is coming in the flesh. And the way in which John prepared the people is rather simple. John did so by preaching and by baptizing. For a while, John did the very thing that Jesus later commanded the disciples to do right before Jesus ascended on into heaven. For Jesus, after he rose from the dead and before his ascension, he declared to, to he, he basically instituted the ministry by declaring, go there, therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So John, the forerunner to the Messiah, baptized, he preached, and now Jesus is saying the same thing. Ministers are to baptize and to teach. And John, as he preached, he didn't just preach any old thing, but his words were deliberate. His words were clear. As John baptized sinners, he preached to them, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He called sinners to repentance. He didn't just say, tell people you're sorry, but you can keep on doing what you're doing. Because repentance is more than simply saying, I'm sorry and not meaning it, or saying, I'm sorry and feeling entitled to continue in that sin. For repentance does, in fact, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, involve a change of life. It's a turning around. It is to walk by the Spirit. To repent is to plead guilty of all sin and to strive to do better. It means that the sinner asks God for strength to go and sin no more, as Jesus himself instructs. Repentance is a continual return to Christ. For when sinners repent, their focus is on Christ. 
for Jesus alone takes away the sin of the world. Jesus alone made the ransom payment on behalf of the sinner so that the sinner can be declared righteous. Jesus alone paid for the sins of all on the cross. So we do not turn to ourselves in repentance, looking within for the resolve to do better, but instead we turn to Christ who can do all things in us. And as we turn to Christ, we do not seek God's acceptance of our sin. Sadly, many think that's what Jesus came to do, that he came to liberate sinners so that they're now free to engage in their sin and do whatever pleases their flesh. Or they think that because Jesus is, or God is love, that Jesus came into the world to just lovingly embrace all the world's sin and say nothing really matters. But that cannot be further from the truth. Christ does, instead, God abhors evil. Jesus never came to condone sin. Jesus never embraced a sinner's sin. When he ate with sinners and tax collectors, he certainly called them to repentance. Like John the Baptist, as Matthew reports, Jesus' first preaching was the same as John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So God's attitude towards sin is clearly revealed in that God sent his son to pay for our sins on the cross. He had to die in order to atone for our sin. That's what God thinks of sin, that death is necessary, the shedding of blood. But thankfully, Jesus was able to shed his innocent blood on our behalf to take away our sin. We also can see a glimpse of God's attitude towards sin by what takes place in this gospel reading in which Jesus is baptized. For in our gospel, we hear that Jesus comes to be baptized by John. And John, of course, knows who Jesus is. For previously, John had said of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when John learns that Jesus intends to be baptized, John questions Jesus. He asks a valid question. John says to Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Let's consider this question. The first thing that John says is, I need to be baptized by you. John says this because he knows who Jesus is. And John also knows who John himself is. John knows that he is a sinner. Yes, God raised John up to be a Nazarite. That's something that is taught in the Old Testament about certain prophets whose lives are set aside for a certain purpose. And that is true of John. He was raised to be a prophet, that he was prophesied of in the Old Testament that John would be the forerunner of the Messiah, that John was set aside from birth. But despite the fact that he's a prophet, he's a Nazarite, he's the greatest of prophets as Jesus describes him to be, he's still a sinner. John is still a sinner. John knows what he deserves for his many sins. He knows that he deserves death. He knows that he's not worthy to be uttering the sacred words of God. He knows that he's not worthy to be baptizing sinners into Christ. 
John even said that he's not worthy to loose the sandal strap of Jesus. We are not worthy either. What we are worthy of according to our own sinful nature and according to our own sinful actions is condemnation. That's what we are worthy of. On our own, we are not pure in any way, nor on our own could we even begin to purify ourselves. We cannot make ourselves better people. Yes, we ought to try to improve ourselves, but even as we do so, we always remain sinners. And that is why Jesus came to be baptized by John. John finished his question by asking the question, and do you come to me? Are you, Jesus, coming to me to be baptized? Why, Jesus, would you? You're not a sinner. You don't need this forgiveness that is being offered to others. At this, we should consider for a moment the benefits of baptism. If I ask you the question, what benefits does baptism give, your response should become second nature because you've learned it in the catechism. It works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. In our baptism, we receive forgiveness for the scriptures state that the body of sin is done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. In baptism, we are delivered from death and the devil because the scriptures declare we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In baptism, we are given the gift of eternal life because the scriptures declare baptism now saves you. And this is all granted to us in baptism through faith because Jesus declares in the scriptures, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That is a treasure that you have in your own baptism. You are now baptized into Christ. You have his forgiveness. Your sins are canceled out. You have eternal life. So what a joy it is to be baptized into Christ. Those sins that you have committed, they no longer condemn you. Do not let Satan use them to haunt you. Because Christ has taken them away, he has canceled them out, and he declares you to be righteous, for in your baptism, you bear the very righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are not guilty of your sin, and instead you are pure in every way. But why then would Jesus be baptized? And do you come to me, John asks? Jesus doesn't need this forgiveness. He's already perfect in every way. Jesus does not need to be rescued from death and the devil because he is coming to defeat death and the devil. He does not need to receive the gift of eternal life because Jesus himself is the resurrection and the life. So again, John asks that very valid question. I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? Yes, for something entirely different happens in Jesus' baptism. Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River for you. We are cleansed in our baptism, but Jesus was made filthy with our sin in his baptism. For Jesus, by be, being anointed as the chosen one, anointed as the anointed one, as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world by virtue of his baptism, he took on the world's sin. 
And he took on the world's sin so that he could bear the punishment that was required for sin, so that he could pay it on our behalf. As the scriptures declare in 2 Corinthians 5, for our sake God made him, that is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, for Jesus, of course, was guiltless, so that in Christ we might receive, receive the righteousness of God. So when we are baptized, we are rescued in our baptism. We are rescued by God. We are brought into his family. We are saved. When Jesus was baptized, things didn't go that way. He was immediately brought into the wilderness and was tempted by Satan. When we are baptized, we are delivered from the devil's clutches in our own baptism, and we become children of God. But when Jesus was baptized, he was put in the path of Satan and would bear the wrath of God for bearing our sin in his body. In our baptism, we are given the gift of eternal life. In our Lord's baptism, because he took on the world's sin, Jesus becomes subject to death. Because he was punishable by death for the sins that he became, Jesus had to go to the cross, and he had to die. And as he bore our sins in his body on the cross, he paid that penalty that we deserve for our many sins so that we could be declared by God to be righteous. Jesus asked, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? He did so for a reason, a good reason, because he now bore the sins of the world. The wrath of God was upon Jesus so that his love, his righteousness, and his peace would now be upon us. And that's how we can also see God's attitude towards sin in today's gospel. That God despises sin, and he wants it, though, to be canceled out. And so he sent his only begotten son to do it. Jesus is baptized to become the anointed one, to be the chosen one to save us from our sin, to do something that no other human could do because Jesus is the son of God. Your baptism then is a gift from God for you. Your baptism is no gift or commitment or something that you offer to God, but instead it is entirely a gift of grace given to you and by which he adds you into his holy family. We baptize infants because God tells us to do so. He doesn't do so directly, but he tells us to baptize all nations. Entire households are added into God's family. And when we consider the benefits of baptism and the fact that even children inherit sin, we then would want our children to have their sins taken away by virtue of baptism. This gift of baptism is a gift of God for you. For in your baptism, he began what is necessary for him to take away, to give you the gift of life and salvation. He gave you the forgiveness of sins, and he has given this to you all by grace. Therefore, we can truly say that Jesus is baptized for you by bearing your sins, becoming your sin being the anointed one, and going to the cross. And so we thank God for his baptism, and we thank God for your own baptisms. What a joy it is to be baptized into Christ, to have his peace and his forgiveness, to know who you are, a child of God, and to know that eternal life is now a gift granted to you. You are his dearly beloved, in whom he 
is well pleased. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.